In my research, I was asking questions about stress. Like, how does the immune system respond to stress? How does the gut respond to stress? And at the end of the day, we know that it doesn't respond well. <laughs> it's like, you know, I could ask questions about that all day, but like the answer is badly, <laughs> you know, it responds badly. <laughs> and, and, and yet that was like what was getting funded. That was where the funding was avail available. That was like what was going to get a lot of notoriety and, and prestige. The better question would be, why are we so fucking stressed? Hi friends and welcome to The Geode, your guide to modern wellness and woo. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. I'm a mom, a veteran, and a modern mystic, and I'm on a mission to create an inclusive wellness community. A few years ago, I found myself drawn to the world of spirituality and I loved it, but I also felt really self-conscious about what I didn't know yet. I didn't feel comfortable asking questions or showing up to certain events, and I definitely never heard or saw anyone with a voice like mine, someone who's grounded, relatable, approachable, really funny, and also really witchy. And that's why I created this podcast. On the podcast, we're going to cover everything from astrology to crystal healing, energy work, human design, and even tantric Ayurveda, all from the perspective of relevant practitioners and thought leaders. I wanted to create a safe place for you to learn more about these contemplative and mystical practices and offer a variety of information so you get to decide what resonates with you on your own terms. I hope that you love it because I love you. Okay, cool. Awesome. So I'm so excited because today on the podcast, we have Caroline Addington. Caroline is a sweet friend of mine, and she's a scientist turned branding coach with a focus on authenticity, self-expression with an added dose of deep soul work. She's the founder of Bigger Than a Brand and the host of the Empowered Expression podcast. And on that podcast, she talks about content strategies, delivering lots of wisdom for those of us listening, and she delivers the occasional personal power boost. Today, we're going to chat about how she went from neuroscience to universal powers and soul contracts and everything in between. So welcome to the show, Dr. Caroline Addington. Thank you. I know that like added title rarely gets pulled out of the closet. <laughs> So whatever it does is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, um, yeah, it's definitely fun to introduce my friend, Dr. Caroline Addington. <laughs> um, so I'm really happy that you're here and I'm excited to talk about a lot of things, but I would love to just get right into it. How did you go from scientist to soul-focused entrepreneur? Yeah, totally. So first off, I'm super stoked to be here too. Thanks for inviting me. Love you. Virtually. <laughs> The, um, the transition, like there's a moment that always comes to mind whenever I'm talking about this is like, I went, I went on vacation when I was in the sciences, I had, which was like very rebellious in and of itself that I would take a like two to three week vacation at the time. And leading up to this vacation, I had slowly but surely developed all of these physical manifestations of chronic stress. And they kind of crept on one at a time. So I just kind of brushed them under the rug, didn't think they were that big of a deal. And went on this vacation with my sister. We were traveling around Southeast Asia. All my symptoms faded. I was having these chronic muscle twitches. I was having heart palpitations like on the reg, <laughs> um, which my mom didn't know at the time if she found out, like she would have freaked out. She'd be like, what are you doing? Um, 
but it, I, they all faded away. And I came back to work from this vacation and like, they all hit me in the face all at once. And I was like, holy shit, my body is really not happy in my current life circumstance. And I was in a meeting with like looking at her basically like looking out at all the professors, which is who I was going to, that was where I was tracked to go. That was who I was supposed to be in another like year or two. And they all were twitching. <laughs> they all had these muscle twitches. And I was like, Oh my God, like that is my future. If I keep doing this. So I initially left science just because I, my body was telling me like, we're done here. This is, you're pushing a, a boulder uphill and it's not a pleasurable experience. So I started an athletic wear company that, and that is how I learned all about marketing, how I learned about basically social media, because I was a ghost on social media before that, which is funny to think because now that's everything that I do. Um, and realized during the that chapter with that athletic wear business that that the way that people go about marketing can be totally revamped and totally overhauled. And I started to kind of play with that myself um, and was getting some interest from, from people and friends who were coaches. And they're like, how are you doing these things? And I was like, great question. <laughs> and long story short, eventually transitioned into content um, because I kept getting questions from people about content. And I was like, all right, I'm going to give the people what they want. <laughs> and that's, that's the journey in a nutshell. Cool. I have so many questions from this. <laughs> what about the, because I know you were in the research portion what is so stressful that it's weighing on your body and it weighs on the bodies of these professionals? Like what about, is it the industry? Is it the personalities it attracts? Like what is so stressful? I think it's, you know, I think that it is the way that it, that science is approached right now, at least mainstream science, you know, there are like scientists working on understanding connectedness, understanding um, like, non-local phenomena, essentially. Um, but mainstream science, which is what I was a part of, is highly, highly, highly competitive. And even when there are quote-unquote collaborations, those collaborations are highly strategic to try and get a competitive edge. And the way that the questions are being asked and the type of questions that are being asked are so disconnected from the actual essence of life that the field as a whole, <laughs> you know, the, the endeavor of science as a whole feels very disconnected from the actual essence of life. Like some of the most important questions, you know, I was asking questions about in my studies, I was in my research, I was asking questions about stress. Like how does the immune system respond to stress? How does the gut respond to stress? And at the end of the day, we know that it doesn't respond well. <laughs> it's like, you know, we could ask questions about that all day, but like the answer is badly, <laughs> you know, it responds badly. <laughs> and, and, and yet that was like what was getting funded. That was where the funding was avail available. That was like what was going to get a lot of notoriety and, and prestige. The better question would be, why are we so fucking stressed? You know, um, but people aren't asking those questions so much. Um, that, does that answer your question? That was like yeah, a long one. Yeah, it did. does because I think uh, it's the 
it seems like it's less about what you're studying and more about the industry and the pressure that is put on by the industry and that, um, yeah, I never really, you don't think of sciences or medicine as also industries that can be provoked in certain and, and coerced in certain ways. But I, now I, I, I understand now, I think it's like a, when you totally. find out Santa Claus is fake. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. It was like, I mean, why are we studying the things that we're studying? That's an interesting. Yeah. 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 And um, it, it essentially boiled down to like to further each individual instead of coming from a more collaborative and that will take a toll on anybody's body over time. Like that is, that is a toxic endeavor. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, my other question about your science background is why, what made you want to get into, I mean, you had to invest a lot of time and be really dedicated. So where in your young self did, was this something you wanted to do? Yeah. So my fiance, Jake calls me master tinker. This is related. <laughs> this is related. He calls me a master tinker because I love, I just love tinkering with things. And I, whether it's in business, whether it's in like well-being um, and just tinkering biohacky type things, um, all of that. I, I just really love tinkering with what is and changing up variables and seeing how it if it matters and if so, how. And so that was, that's been a constant theme my whole life. Um, I was in robotics in high school. <laughs> we went to the world championships. No big deal. I have a picture of me in a bowler shirt with my safety glasses and a robotics team. I just try to find it somewhere. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, like the tinkering has been a common theme. Um, and science you know, I, I got into science because that's culturally and like, you know, in terms of people, it, it's, it's considered, I guess, a more like prestigious thing to like go and get a, get a doctorate and then go get a good job and, you know, da, 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 da. And it also satisfied that tinkering, uh, like innate drive, but transitioning to business has been like, it is the ultimate tinkering canvas um, to be able to play with because entrepreneurship is like a way all encompassing tinker adventure because <laughs> you're not just like messing with variables and trying things out in the outside world and like in your business, but within yourself and like, how can you tinker with your belief system and with your sense of who you are and your identity and all like change all these internal variables too, so that you can show up for your business in new and different ways. So yeah, that's, that's the common thread is the tinker drive. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's interesting because, um, so Shane, my husband works uh, in construction and there was a girl on his job site and I was like, oh, why did you get into engineering? She was like, I was good at math. And I was like, oh my God, this girl revolved a career around an ability. And I imagine some of it's the same for you where you were good at tinkering. And so they just were like, oh, she's good at tinkering, put her in the sciences. You know, it just was like, but. And math, actually. It all it all started with math because I had a, my math teacher. Was yeah, like, so this, yeah. Yeah. She was like, you're good at this. Do you want to join the robotics team? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then from there, it just kind of 
you know, it was like, well, you know, if you're in the robotics team, then you'll probably like this engineering class that was like, it was a class that was supposed to in high school prepare you to be an engineer, engineering major. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I get to tinker. And so the next thing I knew I was in engineering and just kind of just following the path that was, that's laid out for people who, yeah, exactly like you're saying, oh, you're good at math. You, you're, this is your track. Go do this thing. <laughs> Instead of looking at the deeper meaning, like, why are you good at math? You know, are you inherently in love with math or do you just like solving problems because there are a fuck ton of problems that need solving? <laughs> Take your pick from the buffet. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's really cool. Actually, I don't know if I ever told you, but my sister's building a company to bring love back into math for kids because it becomes very, yeah, it's so cute. That was a cute smile because people who love math, there is a passion for it. But if you don't love math or you don't get, pa- or you're not passionate about it, there's a huge disdain. And she's trying to show people People like math can can be fun, and so she's trying to bring the language and and the exuberance back into it. So it, it kind of made me think of you also, where there's like you just get separated into these boxes of like good in math, engineer, doctor, scientist, not good at math, everything else. <laughs> like yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and yeah, that's an awesome business idea. That's super cool. <laughs> um, so I'm curious about the what was the thought that came to you about the athletic wear because that's a huge shift and then maybe also talk about like so the idea that came through and um because I imagine it was really difficult to leave something you had invested your self and your time and so the idea pops up and then how did you make the decision to walk away yeah uh, you know to be totally honest I think mommy universe was just like here's the thing that you can do for long enough to like, just extract you from this situation. Um, because I had, I had no idea what I was doing. I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about product development or distribution. And like that business, even though my marketing and my branding was like fantastic and like my community building was, was great. Um, the product distribution and, and development was like, it was a mess. So that business definitely, it was a learning, it was a learning ground. It was a, it was a big teacher for me. And like, okay, here are the ducks that you probably need to actually have in rows if you want to do business things. Um, but the decision to actually leave and that transition started as a, was it a Christmas present or a birthday? I think it was a birthday present that I gave to a friend um, because the, athletic wear was based on my artwork. So the prints and the patterns were from my art. And and I did one for a friend for her birthday, just like on a whim. I was, I found this website where I could take my art and turn it into leggings. And I was like, here you go. And she was like, what the fuck? These are rad. And I was like, huh, maybe. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And the decision to leave came when a Kickstarter got funded for that company And so there was a little bit of capital and my body was like, we can't do both. Like, you know, here I was working 60 plus hours a week in the lab and trying to start this business. And I was like, I'm not going to, nope, (laughs) we're not going to do both. And if, if we have like a little bit of a nest egg and some capital to work with, then we're going to go ahead and take the leap. Was it hard to walk away or by that point you were so burnt out that you were like, peace, bitch. (laughs) It was hard. So I had been 
thinking about it for like six months before that vacation with my sister. And like that, those six months were really, really tortuous because you're right. Like, like you said earlier, so much blood, sweat and tears into it. And it did satisfy some itch, but like, I, I wasn't clear on why, what it was about it that I did enjoy, what it was about it that I really, that was really going to break me. I just knew that it wasn't sustainable and like something had to give and I wasn't happy. So those six months leading up to that vacation, definitely wobbly, wobbly as fuck going back and forth. But then as soon as I came back and saw clearly like my my body is freaking out and that's my future and we're not going there, that made the decision really easy. And from there, it was just like, okay, what kinds of structure and like, how can I build something that can help me? transition out. Cool. Um, why do you think you were so good at that immediately, the marketing and the community building? Is it like you just saw the puzzle piece and put it together? Or is that like an innate, like what, why did that come so easily? A little bit innate based on my astrology, but actually, (laughs) (laughs) and there's some other one. Um, maybe it's my gene keys or something, some other one that's like, yeah, you're good at, they're good at doing these things, but actually science life trained me really, really well for that because scientific communication is an art form. Not everybody, not all scientists are good at communicating their findings. It's an absolute art form because you're taking this really complex thing that you've been working on for six months, six years, you know, with like all these nitty gritty details and you're distilling it down to the most important parts that someone else needs to know in order to trust the whole picture. And that's, you know what I mean? Because scientists are so uh, scrupulous and like so critical that they need a lot of information to be like, okay, this data is good. This science is valid. Um, But at the same time, if you give everything, then you, you would overwhelm people who aren't in your field of study. So that was a really good being able to pick my brain up out of my skull and put it into the skull of somebody else who'd be listening. And that's like such a, important thing for marketing is being able to take your consciousness and your your perspective, put it aside, take on the perspective of your ideal client or, you know, your customer, whoever you're serving and really see the world through their eyes. And then right from that place, that's such a huge, 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 important part of marketing. And I think that communicating science helped a ton. Yeah, I, now that you said that, I think it was either in one of the BTAB classes or in a podcast where you said you're one of your greatest gifts in the sciences was taking these complex, this complex information and breaking it down into a way that people could process. So now I like, yeah, I see the parallels now. Um, was it hard to let go of? So what happened with the athletic? Which, by the way, it does sound amazing. Do you have any pants left or anything? I feel like I want. I, I don't know if I do. I want to see this stuff. Um, <laughs> how, so what happened? So you got funded and it was going well and you had the marketing community piece, but you said the back end um, wasn't as sturdy. So how did that sort of come crashing down? And then how did you pick up the pieces and move into the next? Yeah. Oh, like I said, that was a bit, that was a teacher and all great teachers 
smack you upside the face and like kind of leave you hanging in the dirt sometimes <laughs> you like figure out that you can stand up and clean your face off <laughs> so it was not clean by any stretch it was not clean at all um and honestly and i feel like your your people can relate so strongly to this because the people who are tuning in probably have that high achiever streak in them as well is like when you fail because by all accounts, you know, at the end of the day, that business was a failure. And when you fail on such a public stage in such a large way, even though like, you know, it's not like I had a multi-million dollar company that then crashed. It was like still a baby startup, but you know, all my friends and family, I, they, they all knew about it. They were all like, supporting it they were wearing the leggings they were like telling their friends and then it like totally crashes and burns and that the shame that had to be processed in that was heavy like I won't lie (laughs) it was really it was really heavy and um because community and communication are so important to me it was so challenging because here, like, I felt very strongly like I'd let my community down. And like a lot of, a lot of ties, it it really, like a lot of ties just never really got um, rebuilt because we, failure at that scale scares a lot of people. You know what I mean? If they were hanging their hat on your ability to follow your dream and to do something different and to go against the the grain and all of a sudden you fail, then it scares the shit out of them and what it means for them. If they ever, if they feel like, like if they were living vicariously through you and you fail, it's hard on them. And, and they can't understand why <laughs> because they're not the ones in it. And so they, they point it on you, right? So like the husband feels the wife's pregnancy pains or whatever. Right. (laughs) That's interesting. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but it's great because I'm like, but it's great. I recommend it. (laughs) But really, truly, like if you're, if you're going off to build something, I'm so grateful that I had such a strong experience of failure right out of the gate because, you know, I mean, that we've had in like conversations and stuff that, I can stand here now and be like, failure is not a thing to be afraid of, like at all. Um, and the longer you let yourself feel afraid of it, the bigger the monster gets. And I'm really grateful that it just, it kind of like all came crashing at once so that I could just deal with it in a matter of months and move on and then feel like, all right, I got this, like bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I want to ask, because I do think a lot of people see failure as an end. And I think what's really great about this story is that it was just a point in a longer trajectory of something else. And that this is something we've talked about too. Like, this is something that I have to work on personally also, where you're like, well, I could have been like, oh, I was a scientist and that was an identity shift. And I could have been stuck in the, I used to be a scientist, but instead I'm being flexible and moving with, you know, right. We could also have been stuck with, oh, I had that company that failed, but it's about the flexibility and being open. And I think that's really relatable and important. That is a part of spirituality too, is 
to, to continue to move and to not think that these things are hard stops. And so I think that's a really inspirational story and a good lesson for people to hear, to know that I tried something and it didn't work. Okay. What did I learn from it? I'll keep going um, with all things. Yeah, totally. And like one thing that you, that popped out is failure, you know, that maybe it could be easy to see failure as an, as an end to something, but a hundred percent of the time, I feel like failure is the beginning. It's the beginning of the next thing. And like the, the thing that is that much more aligned and that much more in tune with who you are and what you're here to do. hundred percent. Yeah. And I struggle with that also because I identify as the failure instead of identifying as like, okay, this is a process we went through and it didn't work. What did we learn from that? Move on. But I was fixated for a very long time being like, I failed. I let people down. I had a good idea. It didn't come through um, with my the company I had before Rose and Candy. And I held on to that. And so and that was what resonated with me also with your language around let go of the labeling and keeping the identity in that and letting go. Um, so where did you pick up the spiritual piece? I've, we've talked a lot about the business side, which I've been very curious about. It's probably mostly for me too, because as an entrepreneur, it helps me to hear. But um, where did the soul piece come in? Like before you quoted your astrology and gene keys. So I'm curious about the where did that pop up within this timeline? Yeah, it's um, the beginning of, of this timeline, really. Um, at the same, you know, it tracks actually really well. This is, this is cool. I've never actually reflected on this in a conversation, but like it tracks really well with that same vacation with my sister, actually. I was reading um, A New Earth then and devouring it because I was like, holy shit, this is explaining everything. (laughs) Um, And that started it uh, for sure. But I'd say that like trust in all of it, you know, because there's, there's the, the cracking open and with each new layer that we crack open of ourselves, there's the cracking open. And then there's the like, is this real? How do I tinker with this? Or at least for me, I think, <laughs> and then the trusting in it and the really leaning into it and the really like, belie- not just believing, but knowing to be true, the, a lot of spiritual principles that happened in that transition out of the athletic wear company. Um, because whenever, and I feel like this is true all the time, whenever we're in big suffering like that, it's, just like we were saying, you know, you can either let it consume you and let it become your new identity and hang out with it forever. Or in order to really move through it and process it and learn from it and grow from it and benefit from it. To me, spirituality is an absolutely necessary piece of the puzzle because if there's not some greater plan than what the fuck are you going through all this for? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and being able to just take that perspective is I think the gift of big struggle is that you, you root deeply, not just intellectually into a lot of spiritual concepts, but like you live it when you're in big struggle, you get a chance to live it because 
you have no other choice <laughs> a lot of times. Um, so I'd say that a lot of, and it's a journey. It's a never ending journey. Like, you know, we're always learning new parts of ourselves, cracking open new parts of ourselves, experiencing truths at deeper and deeper levels. Um, but I'd say pretty much every time that there's a, a rooting in of like, oh, this is actually like, this is how this is true in my life. That's always tracked pretty directly with big struggle. How did you, because, and I think that's amazing. And I love hearing that because I also struggle all the time. So I'm like, okay, I'm like big spiritual here. Yeah. <laughs> but um, how did the, what did it look like when you read the book? Did you, did you come at it with a scientific perspective of, let me see if this holds true? You know, because it wasn't like you had a mentor or a spiritual guide who was like, here, let me show you. How did, how did it come outward from within to become rooted in a belief for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that like the thing that from um, A New Earth, for anybody who hasn't read it, there's a concept introduced in there about the pain body. And it's talking about, you know, an accumulation of pain that any given human has experienced over their life that can then get triggered. And I was in this lab setting full of people wandering around with really heavy pain bodies with no idea and using that, weaponizing it essentially to cut other people down, to try and feel bigger, to try and feel smarter. And I had been asking myself over and over and over again, like all the time, like, how could they do that? Why would they like, what the heck? Why would they say that? That's so cruel. Like what on earth, what is wrong? And you know, this book and this understanding of the pain body, it like, like I already had the experience of it in real time, you know, and I'd already experienced it in myself and it just put to words everything that had been experienced and made sense of it so that I didn't feel like I was crazy anymore. <laughs> and so it, it's almost like the, tr the truth of the experience was already in me, but, I, but having it validated by some other explanation that made sense, that, I think that was the trigger that then I was like, oh my God, okay, this makes more sense than anything else I've ever, anything else I've ever considered. So we're rolling with it. <laughs> Cool. So it was just like an innate understanding. Um, it's funny that you said the pain body. I was thinking the other day, I was like, why is it so hard for me to be in this flesh suit? And I was sitting and I was like, we're, I had this image of like light trying to come through the filter, but the body, but the body's like, I don't know, like squishy. And we have like liver pain. And like, it's just like, all this <laughs> like, so I, I, I never heard of the pain body, but that was the, basically the thoughts. And so I'm going to have to read the book. It's a um, good book. It's, uh, a New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Okay, I'm going to get it. Really good. In my Amazon cart right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you, was there any conflict between the mind processing what you were understanding innately and what the brain had been trained through science? Was there uh, something that you had to do to merge the two? You know, and we've talked about this before in conversation too, that like 
whenever we're hardcore committed to one side of the spectrum and then the pendulum starts to swing, it'll swing all the way to the other side. So it actually, um, I actually went through a phase where I was like, because I had experienced so much emotional abuse in and related to science, I went through a phase where I was like, fuck that. <laughs> like I, had, I went through a phase where I trusted intuitive information more than I trusted science because I was in a, I had seen the dark side of science and I, and I was like, nah, like, you know, that <laughs> I've seen where that gets me and I'm not going to go back there. So I'm going to try something else. Um, and now it's a healthy balance of the two, but the pendulum definitely swung all the way back. So, and I think it was like a helpful anesthesia, you know, or like a helpful thing that mommy universe was, was giving me to help me just immerse myself in like, what is the divine feminine? What is intuition? How do you connect with your soul? How do you, you know, meditate? How do you do all this stuff? And that I went deep down that rabbit hole almost as a, you know, given the bird to science. Um, so my mind was on board. <laughs> so you actually had to find your way back to science, essentially. Like it was, uh -huh. yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and structure, which I feel like might yeah. resonate a lot with like a lot of, a lot of like the high achieving women who might be tuning in is that, you know, you, build things out almost like a cage <laughs> you build out all this structure all this routine all this like to-do list regimented stuff into your life um because that's what you've been trained to do and rewarded for doing and i think that like there's a little bit of finding that balance again um because as you leave that I know a lot of women will go to the other end and they'll be like only rolling around in the divine feminine, fuck your to-do list. I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I'm, you know what I mean? I operate entirely according to my womb space, <laughs> which is beautiful and like so important. Um, but yeah, there's definitely that toxic type relationship that can happen in, in relationship to like the divine masculine and the, the structure and everything when we grow up in cages. Yeah, no, definitely. I read like women who run with wolves and I was like, I'm never brushing my daughter's hair. And <laughs> like a little bit later, I'm like, no, no, we're going to brush the hair. <laughs> we're going to dance naked in the rain. And now I'm like, I wait, you know, sometimes we can, but others. So I totally did the same exact thing where once I read this book and I was like, Oh, I just felt so liberated. I was like, big into the liberation. And I was like, my daughter, the new generation. And now I'm like, I don't know, we're going to brush our hair a little bit and put it in a braid because like we're finding our equilibrium right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what are some, I feel like these are always evolving, but I'm curious about some of your um, universal truths that you're embodying right now. Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> they are, they are in the thick of a personal evolution, actually. Um, there's been, I'd say in the last like month, there's been this weird tug of war going on internally between um, like this deep unity consciousness. Everything is one. We're all connected, like, but like knowing it not just like knowing it in your head, but knowing it in your heart, feeling it, experiencing it all the time. 
I'll have these moments and then like the, the duality, 3D world, all the things will come in. And there's been this like tug of war, which is beautiful because that means that that's probably where we're headed. You know, <laughs> whenever there's a tug of war, it's like the old parts trying to really hang on for dear life. Um, but it feels like it's still in the cocoon, you know, like we're still like a mush. <laughs> the caterpillar just turned to mush in the cocoon, but it's not quite a butterfly yet. <laughs> so we're in the mush phase. Um, but it's been wild. And actually in uh, December, I'm low key planning to do a little bit of a silent retreat situation um, because I want to just <laughs> nip it in the bud is kind of what I feel like. like go ahead and face off with whatever weird uh, <laughs> demons are still hanging in there trying to hold on. Um, <laughs> but, but overall, truths that I, things that I know to be true in the words of Oprah is that the like doubt is always a precursor to deeper faith and struggle is always a precursor to more peace. And whenever we're experiencing one side of the coin, it's because we're ready to more deeply experience the other side of the coin. And I think that that's something that has helped me so much in so many different periods and chapters of life, because it's the remembrance that like everything is transient. This too shall pass in the words of my mom, you know, and well, it's probably some super old person that's long dead, but my mom installed it in me. <laughs> um, but that's one of, that's a really big belief is, you know, if you're experiencing struggle with something, it's not forever. And it's not because you're bad at it. It's because you're here to experience the other side of it more deeply. And, you know, that trust that I guess you could call that faith, um, has been a, a really important universal truth. I love that. And I, um, read like the last week I was in like a lot of physical or just like pain. And I was like, what is this? And then for some reason I had the thought like, Oh, these are growing pains. And as soon as I had that thought, it kind of like left me. Yeah. It was like an awareness of like, you're just growing. It's uncomfortable. It feels weird. Like just it in time, it will pass. Yeah. It's magical. It's like, as soon as you remember, you know, as soon at least in my personal experience, as soon as I remember like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Doubt is here. Oh yeah, that's right. That must mean that like trust and faith is, is coming <laughs> in, you know, more and more true ways than just that remembrance in and of itself is like part, uh, it, it releases the grip and all of a sudden you start to make that transition. Yeah. Which like in that same conversation in that same vein, everything that we're experiencing globally and uh, nationally, same is true on that scale too, right? Like the chaos is going to give way to more calm and peace and the sickness is going to give way to more health and the political divide is going to give way to stronger union and like all of it. <laughs> all of it is just a precursor to better stuff. Cool. Um, what are you personally working on as you up level or aspire to the next thing? Do you have something that you're working on? 
In what way? In the in the inside world and the outside world? Uh, uh, inside. Um, <laughs> the first thing that comes up is like, I'm working on not working on things. <laughs> no, that's, I support that. <laughs> you know what I mean though? Like, cause, uh, and, and this is speaking back to like the, the high achiever vibe is like almost turning self growth into another mountain to climb, another trophy to get another thing to achieve and letting go of that like working, I guess, working on, not working on things. Um, that's been a doozy. That's been part of that same tug of war um, that's been going down. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's relatable. I think once you understand, once you get into this world, you sort of can really want to, especially if you're an A-type or someone really trying to get to a certain place, you're like, oh, this healer guru book and you can get into this vortex of information and wanting to heal and wanting to change and wanting to grow. And that at some point you also have to be like, okay, this is who I am. This is how I'm going to be. And I'm going to take a rest for a little bit, which is also where I'm at. And I was like standing in my room the other day and it was like crystals and self-help books. And I was like, oh my God, if you just liked yourself, it just was like, I just looked around and I was like, oh my God, all these things. It like just reminded me back to this, like, like difficult flesh suit of like all the things I need in order to feel okay in this suit. And I was like, God, like all the, all the effort that you use to feel okay. Maybe if you just felt okay, we would save a little bit of money here. It's exhausting. It's ex like, that's the place where I hit where I was like, this is too exhausting. Like this energy of like, Oh, maybe I can do this so that it will get this result or may, Oh, maybe I can like, da -da -da. like that energy is tiring. It's like got this like almost like manic <laughs> vibe to it. Where, and it's just like, yeah. oh God. Like, <laughs> nah. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, what healers do you like? <laughs> <laughs> what healers do I like? I mean, the, the like or do you have a do you have your uh the healer that you were working with or yeah i, I, like I would yeah yeah i would say this less less about that and more like their different um consciousness is <laughs> that i'll tune into in a given chapter you know like for example um when we were talking about devouring the new earth, like that was a chapter where I was really tuning into Eckhart Tolle's consciousness and like what he was sharing and what he had to say. And then there would be chapters where I was really tuning into like somebody else's consciousness and like what they're sharing and what they have to say. And that's kind of how I navigated things for a while, I guess. Um, where if someone is, so if what they're sharing is really, really resonating, then it, I know that like, okay, they have a piece of the puzzle. They have a wisdom nugget um, that I'm going to pick up. And so the consciousnesses <laughs> that I've been really resonating with are um, Ramdas and the Sufis. So not necessarily Rumi, um, but I'm reading a book right now called That Which Transpires Behind That Which Appears by this Sufi mystic Beautiful. whose name I definitely can't pronounce. <laughs> it's like pure Val, Valiat uh, and then other things and then Khan and, <laughs> and it's good. And, and that it's been like speaking a little bit more to that 
non-duality thing that I've been like in the tug of war with. Um, so those have been the, I guess, healers, the, the spiritual voices that have been speaking speaking to me lately. <laughs> yeah. cool. uh, I am, you sort of touched upon my next question um, in BTAB, so bigger than a brand, you give such cool information. Where do you find this information? Is it, I experienced this and then figured it out. Where are you? Because every, every single lesson, I'm like, holy shit, this is so cool. I'm like, where is she finding these? What, what kind of information? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of something that I did recently that I was like, where did she get this? Um, Most of it is, is experiential. Some of the, like, you know, to just speak to some of the science-y stuff is more... Um, you know, from the scientific literature or something like that, but anything that's not like science or copywriting strategy (laughs) is experience. (laughs) Like universal truths. Like, I don't know, there've just been conversations with us where you're, you've helped me navigate out of a headspace. And I'm just like, how, did she like, are you just channeling something? Cause you're like, let me be a hollow bone. And so through that, I receive information, but I just feel like there have been a few occurrences throughout bigger than a brand that I was just like, where did this come from? Wish I could remember them next time. I'll write that. I'll put them in the show. Yeah. Notes. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Channeling, channeling an experience. Um, you know, like whenever, whenever I hop on a call and I think that this is something that's actually, this is what's coming up now. That's pretty important to talk about is like as a coach, as a healer, as any kind of service provider who is, whose intention, like the, the deeper reason that you're running your business is to uh, help everybody, uh, help your fellow humans tap into more of their own universal truth, more of who they're here to be. Like if that's the intention that you're running your business with, which is a beautiful intention to adopt for your business, then whenever I'm on calls with clients or whenever we're doing a group call or anything like that, that's, that is the intention. And so any other intentions that might be in there, like, oh, I want them to get results or I want them to feel good. (laughs) I want them to like, think that I'm good at what I do. You know, all those things are sticky little intentions that might be hiding out as a service provider. And the more that you clear all that stuff out and you're just, you're really there to simply open up more of who they are and trust that as a byproduct of that, they're going to, all the other things are going to happen. It's going to be great. Um, That is what I think makes, makes you available for whatever's trying to come through for them. Cause sometimes there might be something that like, you've heard me say that you're like, Oh my God, so profound. And it like, was, I just spit all over the place. (laughs) Oh my goodness. On the screen. Sorry. Your forehead's got wipe it off. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like there might have been something that was it was coming through for you. And so it was profound for you, but it wouldn't even register register on my radar as something as that because it was for you, you know. So I'd say it's one part channeling, one part intention, one part experience. It sounds like also it sounds like you've also sort of really done a good job of removing your ego 
where you're like, no, really, I'm here to be of service to these people. How can I really, how can I be of service to these people? Which is something I'm working on because I am, I just get stuck in the ego of like, nobody listened to my podcast. I'm a terrible person. Why am I even alive? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like, to get a little bit meta right now speaking, because I don't know how many of the people who are listening are coaches, um, but no, not so much. <laughs> I don't, I, I am not exactly sure, but I think it's still great information. And I would also say whatever you want to tell anyone who wants to start something or does something and doesn't believe in themselves. I think that's pretty universal mm-hmm. if you're a coach or not. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I'll start where I'll start with what was coming through and then see how it flows into believing in yourself. Cause I think it's pretty relevant there that they're pretty closely tied. Um, the coaching industry is still in its infancy. It's still really young. And to speak to my removing my ego from my work is a byproduct of having been in coaching containers where that wasn't the case. So I was able to experience both sides of it. So it was super, super important to have those experiences because then I was like, Oh, okay. I see what was going on there. I don't want to pass that forward. So we're going to like clean it up, figure out what needs to change. And so many people who are in the coaching industry, starting out, you know, they're letting themselves get disenchanted by coaching experiences that weren't ideal instead of using it to better their offerings, to better the industry, to like up level everything. Um, And so I think that there's going to be a really big, beautiful shift in the industry as more people move away from just being like disenchanted with certain programs or experiences and instead move towards using that to improve everything. And the reason I say that that ties really well into self-belief is that that's true for anything, not just a coaching experience, not just a, a whatever, you know, it's like having a, maybe if you, you know, worked in a company, you worked at a nine to five that you hated and that you didn't enjoy. And then you were like branching off to build your own thing. Then rather than letting yourself stay disenchanted with what you experienced, use it to clear out more of your ego, to clear out more of yourself and build something better and different. You know, if you are disenchanted with how you were raised, you know, like how your, what your parents did and, and like what they installed rather than staying disenchanted and staying frustrated and believing that it's like a, a crippling thing, use it to clear out more of your ego, to clear out yourself and parent differently. I think that's really cool. And I think my biggest wisdom nugget from this whole conversation that I'm taking away from you, which I think comes from your science background, is you've treated everything as basically a hypothesis and not uh, like I'm identified in this way or uh, this is a make or break, but like, oh, that was interesting. How do I evolve this or change this? Like, cause you could have been disenfranchised by the coaches and just been like, I hate the industry. Everyone's terrible. I'm going to do something else. But instead you're like, okay, how do I take what I've learned from all these experiences and make it better for someone else? Or if I don't do that, how do I take all these experiences and make myself better to then also help somebody else. So that's been really interesting. And that reminds me of us. That's a kind of, I think the science brain of no, you're not married to the results. You have a hypothesis and you're going to do whatever you need to do to either prove or disprove, but you'll continue to go. And so that's been helpful to me. And I hope 
that's helpful to anyone listening that if you've tried something and it doesn't work or you're disenfranchised or you had your heart broken or you've been let down, it's not the end. You have to assess what is being processed and figure out how to take that and pivot to the next. Yeah, totally. That's a perfect like wisdom nugget recap of the whole thing. <laughs> nice work. Wait, you did the you did the thing that we were talking about, taking the big complex idea, the big like complex thing, and just distilling it down. So well done. <laughs> Way to embody it all. <laughs> oh, good, great. Um, anything else that you would like to impart? I think. Um, you are a well of information. I love binging your podcast, but my listeners are people who are mostly women, 35 to 45, um, mostly mothers, curious, but skeptical about spirituality, um, probably overwhelmed, maybe feel judged when they want to come into this space. Any wisdom that you would like to pass on to them uh, maybe to help them feel less intimidated or like your favorite tip for when you're overwhelmed? Mm. Yeah. The thing that was coming through as you were sharing that, you know, I'm thinking back to like when I was first stepping into spirituality and so afraid of being judged by people, you know, people who knew me one way for many, many years and as like hardcore scientists, you know, I'll believe it when I see it kind of vibe. <laughs> um, and that feeling of like, am I crazy to believe this? Am I, who is safe to talk to about this? You know, what, what am I doing here? Um, and so for anybody who's in that situation as they're starting out on their journey and feeling, feeling any kind of way about that, I would say that the people who, and this is going to sound cliche, but it's because it's true that the people who are truly rooting for your well-being and your happiness from a clear place, from a clean intention, they really want what's best for you. Then if it's making you happy, they're going to be on board. You know, they're not going to dismiss it. And the more that you take that scientific approach, treat it as a hypothesis, test it in your own life. Like, do I like crystals or do I not? Like, you know what, what is this? What's, what about this is for me? What is not? Do I like tarot? Do I like astrology? Like what is for me and what's not? The more that you take that approach, then the more that you'll be able to root into the truth of it for yourself, instead of just parroting like, oh, you know, astrology is like supposed to be great. <laughs> and when you're rooted in that truth, when you're like, no, it's great for me. It's great because of X, Y, Z things that it has helped me do in my life. I love it for me. Do whatever you got to do. I love astrology or I love whatever. Then the easier it is for other people to stand with you. And to not to not judge what you're moving through and to get curious themselves, because it's part of our human nature to be curious about the world around us. Like that's just part of who we are as humans. And if you're living your best life and you're rooted in it and you're enjoying the heck out of it, then they're going to be like, all right, well, tell me about this crystal that you just got. <laughs> like, well, I could be interested, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so that would be that would be my piece of advice. Beautiful. And that makes sense. It's also um, digestible for anyone. Um, you're amazing. Where can we find you if we want to 
get all of your wisdom and humor and all the, yeah. all the good things. Yeah. You're amazing too. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Um, it's great to have like a free form conversation like this, by the way, you know, and get to talk about, cause I usually talk about content and everything, um, which is, I know, best so for you guys. Talk about any content, but I was just, no, this is great. Story. We'll do a number two. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I'm happy to like branch out, you know, cause I could talk about the same thing all the time. So, um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active and most entertaining. <laughs> it's a party over there at caroline.addington underscore. And depending on when this airs, the next round of Bigger Than a Brand, for anyone tuning in who is an online January. In January, perfect. Yeah, so we'll probably be in launch. It'll probably be open for enrollment. Um, for anyone who is an online service-based entrepreneur and who struggles with your Instagram situation, you struggle to attract clients. That's everything that we teach inside of Bigger Than a Brand. And it's an amazing program. I'm biased, obviously, but it's phenomenal. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, you can just send me a DM on Instagram and let me know or um, go to the, the website, which I, I can provide a link to put in the show notes if that's cool. So. Awesome. You're the best. Love yeah. You. All right. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. You're the best. Yeah. Virtual hug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stephanie Wood, and you've been listening to The Geode, your guide to modern wellness and woo, the podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, and if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. You can join me next week for another fun conversation. Until then, I love you.